In this encore performance of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska. And he's looking at me through the window, and I'm looking at him through the window, and I thought, well, I got electric windows, so I started to roll it down a little bit. And that's when he started biting my rear view mirror. So I rolled it back up. One man finds out what it's like to run with the pack, and a woman has to deal with an uninvited house guest. The bear had gotten his claws around the door, <laughs> and he was trying to pull the door open while oh. the other guy was pushing stuff in. Oh. And the guy goes, whoa, that's a big bear. <laughs> Close encounters of the fuzzy kind. Up next on Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, I'm Rob Prince. I live in the woods north of Fairbanks, and the neighborhood can be a little rough sometimes. Not in the sense that we have gangbangers doing drive-by shootings. No, we have a different kind of roughing up here. Moose. If you're not from Alaska, you might be thinking, well, moose don't seem very dangerous. So I tried to do some research to find out how many people are killed by moose each year, and okay, it's not that many. But I think that's because moose prefer to maim rather than kill their victims as a message to other humans. One very cold winter a few years ago, I was walking my daughter down our driveway to meet the school bus, and there were a number of moose in the yard, but none of them were so close that I felt we were in danger. I was able to get her down the driveway and onto the bus safely, but when I turned around to walk back up to the house, there was a juvenile moose in my way. The moose wasn't that big by moose standards. It was only about five feet tall at the shoulders and didn't have any antlers. But it was standing on the side of the driveway between me and the house, and there weren't too many other ways I was going to be able to get back home. I could try and walk through the deep snow around the trees, but that was going to be awkward, and there were other moose around. I didn't, wasn't sure where they were, and I could stand there and freeze to death, so I decided it might be better if I just tried to walk by the moose. I did have a plan in the back of my mind in the event that the moose charged. I'd taken a semester of karate back in college about 12 years before, and I'd learned this move where you sort of swipe right with your left forearm, and that will kind of deflect the attacker, and then you can run away, and so I figured I'd just use that. As I got closer to the moose, I tried to carefully study the hairs on its back, the twitch of its ears, the look in its eyes, to see if I had any sense if it was going to attack. All I can say is that the look on his face was a look I was pretty familiar with as a college professor. I'd seen it many times in the classroom. It's basically a look of disdain in which he didn't care if I lived or died. As I got to within about 15 feet of the moose, I decided to take a picture of it, just so my family would know what had killed me. I considered recording video while I tried to walk by it, but then decided that I really didn't want to catch my own death on camera. As I got to within 10 feet of the moose, I really got the feeling that this was not a good idea. But the moose was giving me no clue that it was upset. It looked just like a cow as far as I was concerned. And then in a flash, the moose's temperament changed, and it went from not caring if I lived or died to, to being pretty excited about me dying. The moose charged toward me, and unfortunately all my plans for a Jackie Chan karate move didn't really pan out. Instead, I just sort of awkwardly stumbled backwards. Turns out it's a lot harder to do karate in giant snow boots and a big puffy winter jacket than I had expected. Fortunately for me, this juvenile moose didn't feel like stomping me was worth the risk of a sprained ankle, and as quickly as it charged me, it turned off and ran away. This encounter taught me a very important lesson about life. Don't get close to moose. In today's episode of Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, 
we'll hear two stories about close encounters of the fuzzy kind. Our first story today comes from Ray Smith, who shared it at our 2015 live event in Fairbanks, Alaska. Ray has logged millions of miles as a truck driver, but the close encounter he had on an Alaskan road one night a few years ago stands out as the most incredible experience he's ever had behind the wheel. Here's Ray Smith. Well, in the winter of 12 and 13, uh, seems like most of the time we were up doing trapping and everything, we always saw a lot of large wolf tracks that winter. And that particular winter was a long one. If you remember the spring of 2013, we had winter till June. And uh, in May, it's kind of a gathering place at Fox, at the Holland Dog. There are a lot of those people you don't see all winter long, but when the Howland Dog opens up and friends gather, and turned out Ukulele Russ was playing, my good friend, that time, and I'd been out cutting firewood for quite a while that day. I was kind of pooped and looking forward to a quiet evening at the cabin by the river. Well, when I got in, there was already a couple of messages. Ray, come on to town. We're having fun. And I thought, no, I'm not going to answer that. Two, three more people called. And come on, Ray, come tell them we're having fun. I'm like, no, no, it's not looking like good weather out. I think I'm going to stay home tonight. So finally, about 9, 30, 10 o'clock, I got my second wind. And thought, well, okay, so when you live that far out of town, every time you go to town, you want to make it count. You need to get groceries or something. And I thought, well, I am kind of low on chainsaw gas, so now I got a reason to go to town. <laughs> So, one of the other things I did living that far out of town is I bought me a little Volkswagen Jetta. I've had a Chevy pickup or a Suburban my whole life. But gas prices, you know how that goes, you gotta downsize. So in mid-May, it's getting dark, 10.30, 11 o'clock at night. And that particular night, it was kinda cloudy and foggy and half rain and half snow and like I said, that's the time we had winter all the way to June, so we still had six-foot snow banks on each side of the highway. So visibility wasn't real good. I'm doing about 45 or so, and get around the corner at 32 mile, and in the fog, in my lane in front of me, I see a pair of legs, and I look a little closer, get a little closer, I'm like, wow, somebody's dog got out. And there's three or four people living around 32 mile, and I happen to know one of them does have a big German Shepherd. I was thinking, oh man, their dog got out. So I get a little closer, a little closer, and I see another dog. And then I realize those are not dogs, those are wolves. And I see three of them, and then I get a little closer to them, and I see four more in front of them. And then I noticed there's still a couple more in front of them. Man, the goose pimples were getting bigger by the mile. And I, I get a little closer, I beep the horn. Now my Volkswagen is black. All these wolves were dark black, brown, mostly black, brown, a little bit of gray. And I get right up behind them and I tap the horn a little bit. It didn't even phase them. They didn't turn around and look at me. They, they didn't do anything. They just stayed right in my lane. And I want to add, by the way, they were all in the southbound lane. None of them were over there in the northbound lane. 
I guess they read their manual, I don't know, but... And they were doing between 28 and 30 miles an hour. So, finally, I kind of tapped one in the butt a little bit with my front bumper, which all the butts of them wolves are about this much taller than the hood of that Volkswagen. And so, finally, two of them went this way, one went this way, and I get up a little closer, and I'm so excited, I'm not even sure what gear to put it in. I think I was over-revving it, and then all of a sudden, I was lugging it, and... Okay, so I got ahead of them, and then I noticed in my mirror, they came around back behind me. Wow, now I got four of them in front of me, and I'm kind of catching up to them, and one big guy is turning around and showing me his fangs, and like, what are you doing here? But I think maybe I was giving them light to run down the highway with. (laughs) Now, there's four ahead of me and three ahead of them. The guy on the right, he came over by my right-hand door and he's looking at me through the window and i'm looking at him through the window and i thought well i got electric windows so i started to roll it down a little bit and that's when he started biting my rear view mirror so i rolled it back up so now i got one guy on the right and i got you know six in front of me and three behind me and i'm in my volkswagen thinking you know i should have brought the truck So we get going down the road a little ways. I'm not sure what to do. I didn't have a gun with me, and the one time I didn't have a camera with me either because I really would have liked to have pictures of this, you know. It didn't happen to me before. So we get down the road a little bit, and I think they were getting tired of me being with them, and that's when I noticed there was one wolf way up front, about an eighth of a mile way up front, or a little less than that, but I could see them even in the fog. So... Gradually, gradually, they all started peeling off, jumping over the snowbank, and I'm still doing about 25 to 30 miles an hour. Well, okay, they're leaving, I guess, and I got up to the one that was way up front, and as soon as I got to him, he jumps over the bank, and there's a little bit of a clearing there. I seen him go out about 30 feet. I stopped the car, and I looked around, make sure none of the other ones were catching up, And I just stopped, I got out of the car and I looked at him and he was over there, he sat down in the snow and he was looking at me catching his breath. And then he did, and he stood up and he kind of bowed. And then he ran off in the woods. And I'm looking around still, I don't see the other ones. Well, I guess I can go to town now. (laughs) Gridlock in Chattanooga. So I get to town and I, I had a couple sodas and I said hello to everybody and told them my wolf story and, and it was a lot of fun doing that. So, but, you know, I, I just couldn't stay there any longer. I wanted to go back up there between mile 32 and 30. I think I needed to keep going. Maybe I could have catching them going the other way. I don't know. So I went up there and I just drove 20 miles an hour through those three miles, but I never did see them. I got back home. I... I couldn't think about anything else. I stayed up late still thinking about it. I went to bed dreaming about it. I woke up early the next morning and I got a friend of mine at 32 Mile. His name is Paul. And I called him and I told him what happened. He says, Ray, you were up last night watching one of them Twilight movies, weren't you? I'm like, no, man, it really happened. I swear. He says, okay, okay. 
And then later on that day, of course, word got to Chattanooga Lodge what had all happened in one of my stories, you know, and everybody thought, oh, yeah, right. But I guess somebody found that day just a mile north of the lodge where a pack of wolves took down a cow moose right there on the highway. There was a trail of blood going over the bank, and people followed it, and, they, you know, they'd seen where the moose had been taken down, so... Ronnie Franklin from Chattanooga Lodge called me up and he said, well, I heard your story and I just wanted you to know we verified it. <laughs> so then I went to the lodge to tell the story to everybody and I found out that this story is worth anywhere from two to five beers every time I tell it. <laughs> so thank you, Wolves. And you know, I was a truck driver most of my life. I got a little, almost two million miles on me, but that mile and a half there was one I'll never forget. There's nothing like that at Disney World and only in Alaska. Thank you. Ray Smith shared that story at our April 2015 live event in Fairbanks. This is Dark Winter Nights, True Stories from Alaska, the Close Encounters of the Fuzzy Kind episode. I'm Rob Prince. Are you listening to this episode and thinking, boy, it seems like it would be cool to see Dark Winter Nights live in person? Well, you'd be right, and you'd also be in luck, because our next live event is coming right up on Saturday, November 19th at 7 p.m. in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium. More information and tickets are available at darkwinternights.com. Our next storyteller lives in the woods outside of Fairbanks, where you don't have to go searching for close encounters with wildlife, They'll come to you. Here's Jan Hanscom. So it was uh, July 27th, and I know that was the date because that's my wedding anniversary. And I'd been all day uh, working in my peony field, so I was kind of grubby, dirty, um, sweaty. And I decided that I should go home and make a very nice dinner for my husband, and, and we'd have a nice meal together that evening. So so I went home, and I started off by um, getting some ribs in, into the pot cooking and and I, uh, I cleaned up the kitchen and ended up with a bag of trash, which I put on out in my entryway. Now, I have a cat, and so the cat went out at the same time, and I thought, well, I'll leave the outside door open because the cat's bound to come want, want to come back in in just a few minutes. So I left the door open, and I thought, well, I'll run upstairs, and I have a spiral staircase that goes up into my loft. So I run up there and check my email while I'm waiting for the cat to return. So I go up there and, you know, as always, when you get on a computer, you kind of lose track of time and you're really into reading email and then you go on Facebook and you're, it's taking time. And all of a sudden I notice that I'm hearing a noise and I, I was like, what is that noise? And then I, I thought, oh, there's a dog getting in my trash. So I ran down the spiral stairs and I went to the door and our door that goes out onto the entryway, it's a steel door with no windows in it. So... I didn't know whose dog it might be, so I banged on the door and I said, go home, go home. And then I thought, okay, well, now I have to look. So I opened the door and I, I looked up and up. And I thought, as I slammed the door and I'm holding it with both my hands, I thought, that is not a dog, not a dog. <laughs> and, and then I started to think, well, maybe I didn't see that right. It was dark out there. And I reached for the light switch to turn the light switch on. And I thought, whoa, why is it dark out there? <laughs> Hey 
<laughs> so then I'm thinking, as I'm holding the door, like that's going to keep the bear out. I'm thinking the only way the bear can come now is into my house because it must have closed the outside door and it's stuck in the entryway. So I turned around, I went back, I grabbed my cell phone off the table and I ran back up the spiral stairs thinking, well, if the bear does break into the house, because, you know, I've just shown him the only way it can go now, which is through that door into my house. <laughs> and um, so I ran up the spiral stairs and I got up there and I called 911. Now, hang on a second. <clears throat> How is this door locked? Uh, this, this door that comes, this steel door that comes into your house, is this is this just is this a door you can lock, or is it does it just have a latch, or how does it? Stay it just closed? has a latch. Just a latch. Just a latch. So between you and this bear, giant bear, is <laughs> just like a little unlocked door handle. Exactly. Okay. All right. Great. <laughs> Which me holding wasn't really going to do a lot. I don't know why I thought that was a good idea, but you don't even have the little push button thing <laughs> that no. you could do to lock the door, like on a bathroom. No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so I go up the spiral stairs and I dial 911. And they come on the phone and they say, Yes, ma'am, what's your emergency? Police, fire, or ambulance? <laughs> and and I, I was confused. I said, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> There's a bear stuck in my entryway. <laughs> the guy goes, Okay, I'll forward you to the state troopers. And I said, Okay. <laughs> and so he forwards me, and the guy there comes on the line. And he says, yes, ma'am, what's your emergency? And I said, I don't know. There's a bear stuck in the entryway. He said, oh, I'm sorry. All of our fish and wildlife officers are on a search and rescue right now. I said, so what am I supposed to do about the bear in the entryway? <laughs> he said, um, I can send the troopers to your house. And I said, "That that's fine. That's fine. That's good. Send the troopers. And he's like, okay. So he talked to me for just a couple of minutes, just chatting. And then he said, is anyone coming to visit you this afternoon? And I said, um, no, not that I know of. And he said, well, we wouldn't want someone to open the door by mistake. And I said, okay. So I said, I can, from the loft where I am, I can open the window and I can step out the window onto the roof of the Arctic entryway. And, and then if anyone were to come, I can tell them, don't open the door. There's a bear in the entryway. Yeah, because we have to clarify a little bit. Um, as far as you were, were you aware at this point that the bear was trapped in your entryway? I surmised that it was because it was dark out there. But that's the only way I knew for sure. Okay. And so explain how the bear could get trapped in your entryway. So the entryway is about six feet wide and six feet long. It's just a little square space. And I suspect the bear smelled the trash and it came into the entryway, turned around and hit the open door with its back end. They're knocking it closed. Mm -hmm. And the noise that I was hearing was the bear trying to find a way out of the entryway. So he probably actually closed the door, totally closed the door at that point while he was trying to get out. So... Your problem and ultimately the bear's problem, which is interesting that you both share the same problem right now. <laughs> <laughs> you have something in common with this bear, <laughs> except maybe <laughs> you both want this solution to come out with the bear leaving, right? <laughs> <laughs> the bear's problem is that it can't get out because the door opens in. Correct. So unless it can figure out a way to, and this door latches too, right? Exactly. So unless it can figure out how to get its paw around a doorknob and open it in, it's stuck. Right. Its only option, the only door that opens out is the one that comes into your house. Exactly. Which is latched, but but not locked. No. And so, you know, bears are strong. He, If he really wanted to, he probably could have smashed that door in. Yes. 
Okay, so we have the bear is trapped in your entryway. Its only reasonable way out is to go further in to where you are. And so now you're you're fleeing onto your roof. Exactly. Okay, got it. Okay. <laughs> okay, so I step out onto the roof, and the guy says, um, okay, ma'am. He says, everything all right? And I said, well, yeah. I, he said, you're safe right now. I said, yeah, I'm safe right now. And he said, okay, then call me back if anything changes. And he hung up. (laughs) Call me back if you're getting eaten by a bear is basically what he's telling you. (laughs) Pretty much. (laughs) And I've called 911 only a couple other times in my whole life. And every other time they stay on the line with you until someone comes. But he hung up. So I'm standing there on the roof of the entryway. Holding my phone, kind of going. <laughs> no moral support. No, I just kind of being very confused and not knowing exactly what to do and hearing the bear down below me now banging and crashing and, you know, into stuff that's down there. And uh, so I thought, well, I called my husband and I said, hey, Dick, there's a bear stuck in the entryway. He said, I'll be right home. I said, oh, no, don't worry. The police are coming. They'll take care of it. And he's like, oh, okay. And so then he hung up. So there I am standing. So probably a total of 45 minutes goes by from the time I started this whole process of panicking about the bear in the entryway. And the first cop car comes down. It's a big SUV. And the cop gets out. And just like on TV, he stands behind the door of his car, of his his truck. He looks up at me standing on the roof and he says, ma'am, is the bear still here? And I said, yes. <laughs> and I pointed down at the entryway roof. I said, it's in the entryway, right right down there. It's in the entryway. As if you would be standing on your roof just for fun. Yes, like. with my phone in my <laughs> hand. <laughs> and, um, and he goes, okay. So he got out his big rifle, his big gun, shotgun kind of gun from the console of his SUV. And he walks over and he looks at the entryway and he goes, so we have to open the door. And I said, yes, you have to open the door. (laughs) Captain Obvious strikes again. Another car comes sailing down the driveway. And this guy, he must have been very young, just out of the uh, trooper school, perhaps. He had on his little hat and his trousers were creased really nice. I mean, he looked sharp. And he walks over and they say, we have to open that door. And uh, yeah, we have to open the door. And um, the first guy goes, so we better be prepared if we open the door, the bear may charge. And the guy starts to get his pistol out of his pocket. And the first guy says, put that away, go get a real gun. (laughs) So that guy goes back to his car and gets his big shotgun from the uh, console area, and he walks over. Now, two more cars come sailing down my drive. Now I have four trooper cars in the dooryard, and um, and they're all looking at the door, going, "We have to open the door." Yeah, we have to open the door. Finally, one guy goes, "Well, I'll open the door." And the other three went up, and we live on a steep hill, so they went up onto the side of the hill above the door area and spread out, and they're all pointing their big guns at my house. And uh, the first guy goes to open the door, and one of the cops up on the hill goes, wait a minute, shouldn't we have a plan? Which way are you going to run? We don't want to shoot you. So they all get back together, and they chat for a little bit. And then one of them, the first guy that had arrived, he looked at me up on the roof, and he says, ma'am, are you the only person home? I said, "Uh, yeah. 
And he said, oh, good. We wouldn't want to shoot anyone by mistake. So now I'm pitching my house full of holes, you know, <laughs> when they show these on movies and they just, <laughs> and your house is just riddled with holes. I was going, oh, my gosh. He's like, no, I'm the only one here. And he's like, okay, good. So the three cops, they go to one side, and the guy that's going to open the door, he goes and he turns the doorknob. And nothing happened. He turns around and, and he says, the door won't open. And so now I'm thinking to myself, the door opens in. Now, on my entryway, I had three sets of skis and the poles that go with them. There were two chainsaws, my trash, of course, a big 55-gallon drum of dog food. Um, and I can't even begin to tell you other kinds of tr junk that might have just been dropped in the entryway on the way in. Just, you know, you only need to open the door, right, and come in. So the bear has been down there for at least 45 minutes, and every single bit of this stuff, which maybe used to be leaning against the wall or something, is on the floor. And so the door, when you go to open it, is running into all that stuff, and it won't open. So now they're like, the door won't open. Now what do we do? <laughs> the guy with the little hat, he was really funny. He said, he said I'll go get the door and we'll bash it in. <laughs> <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, doesn't that just break the latch? That doesn't really break the door out, you know? And, he, and then he, and I said, wait, that, that shouldn't work. And um, he goes, oh, yeah, no, you're right. That won't work. <laughs> I thought, oh, good. At that point, I'm thinking, why am I not videoing that? I should I be videoing this on my phone? I'm holding it in my hand. <laughs> but, but I didn't. So anyway, so then he goes, well, I know. I know what we could do. Let's get a chainsaw. And I said, wow, that's a great idea, but the chainsaws are in the entryway. <laughs> and, and at that point, again, I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, I'm so glad the chainsaws are in the entryway because I wonder where they thought they were going to cut a hole. Were they going <laughs> to yeah. cut the door apart? What were they going to do? You know, I'm I, sure the bear would love a chainsaw. Yeah, a chainsaw. And then that would have driven him right into the house. Yeah. But <clears throat> anyway, so in the meantime, while the three up there have been discussing these various options, the the guy that was trying to open the door had been wandering around, and he found a long-handled ice chipper. So it was kind of narrow and thin. And he started pushing things into the entryway, and he pushed and he pushed. And he, and he says, wait, guys. He said, I'll get it. So he's pushing and he's pushing. And then he'd push on the door some, and then he'd push stuff. And pretty soon, I feel from where I'm standing even that the door is going bang, bang, bang. <laughs> and the bear had gotten his claws around the door, <laughs> and he was trying to pull the door open while oh. the other guy was pushing stuff in. Oh. And the guy goes, whoa, that's a big bear. <laughs> so he's there with the bear's paw basically right in his right face. Right in his face. And I said... to push this stuff out, never knowing when he's going to push something far enough that that door's going to pop open. And the bear's going to come charging out. And I he said to him, him yes, I thought it was a big bear too. <laughs> the guys are all up there with their guns aimed at the house. And finally, the, the, the guy that's pushing things in, he turns around and he ran in the opposite direction. And the bear must have pulled enough and was getting squeezed out through. So the bear squeezes out through. The three guys on the top of the hill are waving their arms with the gun and everything, and they're screaming and yelling. The bear gets out, and he turns. I see him from up above. He turns, and he looks. His eyes are huge. He's petrified. <laughs> and and the when they say the whites of his eyes, it really literally, you could just see the whites of that bear's eyes as it was running off into the woods. And... 
And then the three cops, the last ones, they they just turned, hopped in their cars, boom, 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 off they went. The first guy that arrives says, okay, ma'am, that's it. He's writing something in a little book. He's writing something. Okay, ma'am, that's it. And he, he went and hopped in his car and left, and I'm standing still up there on the accuray <laughs> with with my phone in my hand. And it's like, bye. <laughs> Just wishing you had someone to debrief the situation with a little bit, I imagine. Yeah. It was really, <laughs> like, can we, it's like can we my, talk about what just happened? <laughs> my adrenaline's going like 90 miles an hour. <laughs> my heart's still pounding and I'm just standing there okay bye it's like that's it that's it that's over wow come pull the cat out of your tree or something (laughs) Jan Hanscom thanks for listening to this episode of Dark Winter Nights True Stories from Alaska today's episode was produced and edited by myself Rob Prince with story consultation by Lori Neufeld I've got great news that the next Dark Winter Nights live event is right around the corner. We'll be back on stage in Lathrop High School's Herring Auditorium on Saturday, November 19th at 7 o'clock p.m. And I'm also thrilled to announce that Molly of Denali will be at the show during intermission, so we're all very excited about that as well. More information and tickets can be found at darkwinternights.com. Remember, these are the stories we tell up here in Alaska on Dark Winter Nights. I'm Rob Prince.